Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Swathi West, Chief Information Security Officer with Suma Health. I'm Anthony Guerra, Founder and Editor-in-Chief. Swathi, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Anthony. All right. Excellent. Um, why don't we start off? Why don't you tell me a little bit about your organization and your role? Sure. I am Chief Information Security Officer, CISO for short, for Suma Health. Uh, Suma Health is a health system based in Akron, Ohio. We are a provider, also a payer. I think that's an integrated health system um, specialty that we got going on here. And we have three hospitals, several health clinics, and we have uh, more than 10,000 users today. So a pretty decent sized hospital. I know we have clinics, Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, but um, it's pretty decent um, for our um, size here in Akron, Ohio. So I'm the Chief Information Security Officer. I manage identity access management, security operations, and governance system compliance. So anything that you can think of, audits, assessments, training, um, mobility management, incident response. Oh gosh, I'm busy. Provisioning, deprovisioning, transfers, anything with logical access to the users. Um, so we have quite a few things that are going on in the team. And um, the team is, today we're 13 people strong. And I think uh, we're hoping by end of 2025, we'll have uh, more than 20, 2025 people. Okay, very good. You mentioned all the things uh, that you are in charge of. And it, it just, a question popped into my head. Is it pretty standard? Uh, what a CISA would have at a health system, or are there some pieces that you may or may not have? And and in in those pieces, do you have them or do you not? I'm just curious. It is a very good question, Anthony. I think when I first started at at Suma, I was also a consultant. Prior to Suma, I was a you know acting like a a VC, so VC, so if you will, for other healthcare organizations. I worked with um, you, you know Mississippi um, Hospital Health System there. I think of it like there's no black and white rule for what a CISO would have in a health system. I think every health system is a little bit unique um, for CISO. And you will see that throughout the titles. There will be a couple of CTOs that also are CISOs in some health systems. There's a CSO title, even in, if you just think about Cleveland, a clinic, Cleveland Clinic CISO has different responsibilities com compared to, you know, Akron children and then, mm -hmm. you, you know, you know, university hospitals. Uh, for us, in 23, when I first started, and even now we're just transitioning it, but we still manage our edge firewalls. Uh, that's an interesting thing. There's no black and white for that where it would sit. It's more on the expertise and the skill set and the type of people that you would have. And our network team is very good and they are Apollo certified. So we're shifting those responsibilities in that into that team. And now we we do Improvada and we do Epic um, as a CISO. Now I'm provisioning Epic for pro providers and users. And sometimes you don't see that Epic teams actually own the Epic provisioning. But for me, I have it. So it, it just depends on the skill set. And I think for hospitals, um, also people too. I think that's another important aspect for us where um, certain things sit. And I'm very passionate with training. So we're also doing targeted training. Um, so we're also you know focusing on that. And for SUMA, we're also, our cybersecurity department is almost like an enterprise cybersecurity department because we have a different entity, a payer, SUMA care for us. 
So we also will work with the payer space and also providers. So we have to be skilled in both um, compliance frameworks, if you will. So it just depends. All right. Very good. So you've started, you, uh, I think you've just been, been there just over a year. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of dovetails with a little bit with what we were just talking about, about where things sit and the best way to have things organized. So you started, and I like to ask people who are fairly new to a particular position, what were their objectives? What were their goals? How did they go about sort of getting up to speed? And that kind of dovetails with the what we were just talking about. Now, for example, you could come in and once you sort of get the lay of the land, you could say, you know what, I think this piece, I think we want to move this piece over here or because of what I feel strong that we're good at or having to got gotten to know this network team, you know, you start wanting to play around on the whiteboard of moving things around. So tell me about that process of sort of you getting acclimated up to speed. I don't know if you had consulted at SUMA and so Mm -hmm. you were very, you know, so tell me about that. Uh, the, you know, I think that, that's a great question. It kind of, it kind of t- takes me back to 23. I know it's, it's only been a year, but I started with Suma in February and I, I think I had a few months and I officially took the position in August. So when I came in, I think, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you, if you would like it, or if you heard this, Anthony, I first started with policies, you know, our policies and standards. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what, what was our intent? I think what what do we wanted to do? Um, I think that's where I started with is like, hey, what are our standards or access provisioning standard or risk management? And I looked at our information security charter, a risk register, a risk management um, policy standard that we got here at SUMA. So I started with the standards and then I made my way of doing a 90-day assessment. So what is the framework that we should be using? I think that's one of the questions I was asking our leadership, executive leadership, like what what was promised in the past or what do they heard in other hospitals? Um, So we uh, today adopt NIST cybersecurity framework. So using the NIST cybersecurity framework, I did a 90-day assessment to see where our major gaps are. And I'm very big proponent for cyber resilience, not just cybersecurity. I mean, you've spoken with so many CIOs and CISOs, healthcare you know, the threat landscape is just changing and it's anything, it's only, you know, growing as as by day. So we're shifting our focus here at SUMA on cyber resilience. So when I did the NIST cybersecurity assessment, I realized that we need to put a lot more emphasis on the incident response and operation space. So, you know, I'm sure you heard in cybersecurity world, it's not if, it's when. So we want to be ready, right? So when it happens, how long would it take for us to be you know, back up and running. Uh, so we're putting a lot more effort into security operations. And I think that'll that's something you will see in our org chart and everything that we're going to do into 24 and 25. So that's what I did. Started with standards, review that, um, and had my one-on-ones with executive leadership. So everyone that reported up to our CIO, our stakeholders, so met with privacy, legal, the four pillars of any organization, privacy, legal, internal audit, and compliance. So met with my peers in that space, understood what the cybersecurity from their perspective, what are something that we should be doing that we're not doing. And at that time, we as a department relatively flat. So we have just analysts, architects, and engineers. Um, So I started reviewing job descriptions and using the cybersecurity framework, we added knowledge, skills, and abilities to the resumes. And then we, we started changing the org chart. So that's how we created these 
three different pillars in the cybersecurity department, uh, governance and compliance, the IAM and the operations. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a lot of organizational support, but the first 90 day assessment, I think that's something I would definitely go back um, for in, in, in the future. If I go to any organization, I think that would give you a great understanding of where you're at with cybersecurity uh, department and where you want to go in the next two to three years. Very good. So policies and standards. So the thinking there when you come in and you say this is going to be sort of my first objective, policies are what we're even supposed to be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, in mm -hmm. order to figure out how we're doing, first, you were saying, I want to figure out what we're even trying to do. Right. right. What are the policies as stated? And then I could do a gap analysis to see how mm -hmm. far or close we are. But I need to look at those policies first um, and and see if if they make sense. Um, right. I mean, you're looking at mm -hmm. those to go, are these policies right? Do these policies need to be fixed? Are they solid? Are there gaps? Are there holes? Tell me a little bit more about that, what you're looking for as you're reviewing those. Yeah, for sure. So I think policies are as good as how you communicate them. I think that's where my philosophy came about. So when I said, okay, these are, I think we have two information security policy, acceptable use policy and everything else is standards. When I first came in, I was reviewing all of that and started interviewing our stakeholders, like our CTO, our, you know, director of infrastructure and network to, just to understand how they were communicated. And there's so much change or churn that happened um, in a year or two that they got lost. Uh, you know, no one really knew where they're at or uh, they weren't able to get on board with some of the things that they promised they're going to do. So I think that's one thing we realized. We got to put a lot of emphasis in communication. And the second thing is, even in the standards, the process sometimes is not being followed. So what are those major gaps that we have today? So what what is something an ideal state, like the best can look like and what are we doing right now? So just from high level understanding of, okay, we promise that we're going to do this. We can't do it because so and so and so, but we can do this. Like we can do maybe a, you know, a basic foundational thing. Um, so we started being advocates for our technology team. I think that was such a big change, uh, you know, due to three, two to three years um, before, I think security and technology, you'd see in some organizations, there's you know some friction, but we were doing really good here at SUMA because we're being such an advocate by helping them say, I know this is a great thing for you to do, but you're not able to do it because you don't have the funds or you don't have a test environment. Let me help you. So I think that was a really good um, effort. We, we pulled in 2023. Um, and I think bringing everyone together and writing those, we have a big exercise into Q4 and Q124 is why don't we sit together and figure out what could we do for patching, right? What is our vulnerability standard should look like? Um, that's another thing. And after doing all this exercise, Anthony, we figured out the people process, I think, is where we want to focus in the next three years. And I promise the board and executives the same thing. We have technology stack. We're not going to bring, I'm not going to ask you money for anything new. I'm not going to bring in another technology to do fix a problem, but let's invest in people process. And I think that'll, that'll you'll see we're going to hire a lot of cybersecurity um, individuals and we have a lot of projects going on. We're rewriting all our policy standards. So we're putting a lot of emphasis on people process. So that it helped immensely starting with those standards and just the roadmap and understanding of the standards that, it, it, you know, we need to focus on the communication and adoption. I think that's such a big thing we're going to work on 24 is adoption. 
we communicated that this is the best practice, are you able to adopt it by 24? So we want to keep maturing in that space. Yeah, and, and they, they have to be readable too, the policies, right? I interviewed a CISO the other day who talked about uh, they need those need to be reviewed. If, if you whoever you, whoever's writing them, like lots of people need to look at them because one of the things he was finding was nobody outside of IT security is going to understand this, right? right? It's <laughs> not written for a business person. And the goal of this is for an average person in operations or business to understand what we want them to do. So have you seen that sometimes come up where a policy may be too dense or security oriented for the average person? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that, you know, more, like I said, what helped us is bringing that technology along the policy process journey, right? I think that really helped because we're communicating with them. We're interviewing the stakeholders. We're saying, Hey, what are, what is your understanding? How, how long, you know, how long would you take to remediate a critical you think we, we should be doing? I think having those conversations, they were like, Oh no, I think we could do it in 10, 15, you know, whatever, for example, that really helped us, you know, make, make that adoption a little bit easier for the organization for, um, for sure. I, I agree with that. It's harder sometimes when you bring in all these frameworks and you yeah. know, add it. Um, I think that that helped a lot bringing that technology partners in. Yeah. And you mentioned some other things that, that sound like, again, developing sort of an ideal state and then working back from that with the gap analysis, you looked at the job descriptions, you're saying, okay, so ideally, how do I want this team to look, right? What are the <laughs> positions I want? Okay, here are the different roles we want, and here's what we want these roles to do. Yeah. Now let's see how we get there, right? Mm-hmm. How, who can we move or who can take? Because you have existing people. They do certain things that they've always yeah. done. Not everyone loves change. Sometimes it's hard when you want to move pieces. You can have that ideal state on a whiteboard, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you, it's perfect. It's beautiful, and the job description is great. But, okay, we've got 15 people that have been doing things. And maybe some of them easily line up in those slots and maybe mm-hmm. some don't, and maybe some kind of half line up in one or half line up in the other change yeah. is hard. So have you gone through that in terms of trying to get some of your team members to embrace some change in their roles? And do you have any advice around that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So I think being transparent um, helps in organizations when you have a new CISO, I think, even new, any new leader, any any any, any executive leader, when you come in, you would want to try things. I think you you mentioned that, right? You would want to try something else that maybe works. I think, you know, when I first started my one on ones, I was very vocal and I mentioned this has been tried. Like the way this is right now has been tried by a different individual. That's the beauty of change. Is like we tried it. It worked. Some worked and some did it. Now a new leader would come in and now you change something. It might. It might not, you know, just be open, come along with this journey with me, uh, you know, just be, be part of this. And I think even that gap analysis, after I reviewed, I gave it back to the team and I asked them, what, what did you understand by this? Right. What did you, you know, glean from everything that we did um, in this gap analysis? And I'm, I was very surprised, uh, but at the same time, I was very happy because everyone said, oh, we were missing, there's major gaps in training. You know, we have technology part of it but you know we don't have the individual to do it and we have someone from the team actually step in to say oh let me help you i'm really interested in i did my master's in cybersecurity. that would be something i really like it and same thing with operations we never had that department we just had you know we outsourced it as what we called or we what we thought uh, but 
how about we triage some of the incidents that come in? Oh, you know, I did that consulting work uh, back in the day. I would love to do that. So I think we have internally um, tried to ask those questions. And I think, you know, there's a lot of autonomy, which I was very happy with. Uh, even my leadership is like, figure out the skill set that we currently have. Is there anything that we can, for your point, move around? And there's a couple positions, um, Anthony, here at SUMA, that we opened up internally to say, hey, this is a great opportunity. and are you interested in it? You know, we're going to give you a training. We're going to give three to five months that you can get a specific training. And we have um, several dollars in our budget just to train individuals because we have a gap. I mean, there's almost a, you know, what, 700,000 people that we're looking in cybersecurity. I mean, we're not going to get all of that today. So how we can train and retain as much as talent we can, I think that's always top of mind. But being transparent and also bring them along that journey, I think, helped with me the team sure yeah i think that's really important and and you're you're hitting on something extremely valuable for other people which is when you when you come in or anybody anybody in a position it's it's the desire to bring about change right mm -hmm. to change the current state and uh when you when you broach the idea of change it brings about fear and resistance almost automatically people are scared <laughs> Right. People are just naturally. Oh, God, no. So I think there, it's so important the way you do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And you talked about sort of an idea of, hey, just be open. Just trust me. Right. Mm -hmm. Just just let's try this journey out. This can be fun. Right. Mm -hmm. You might. I'm not I don't know if you say something like I we're not going to force anything down your throat. But although sometimes, you know, it's I need you to do this as opposed right. to I'd like you'd like to start it with I'd like you to do this. And mm -hmm. I think this would be great for the organization and all those kind of things. Eventually, you may come to a point with a particular individual where it's I need you to do this. And that's a right. different discussion. That's more, you know, that's a tougher thing. But tell me again about let's go back to how to bring about this conversation so it's received in the mm -hmm. best way and you 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 remove some of those fears and mm -hmm. you you wind up having the best chance of them embracing what you're trying to do yeah i think what helps or what helped for us is the job descriptions and if you look at the job descriptions that we started with they're pretty standard. You know, you're asking for experience and that's about it, you know, if, if it changes. And the titles. So it's so important, I think, a leader, when you first start in, you know, if I if I can say three things, I think just come in, make sure you do that 90 assessment, pick a framework, I think even before that, pick a, pick a framework, just do a 90 assessment. I think the third important thing is look at the job descriptions because it's so hard to keep people accountable if they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, because, you know, inherently within healthcare or cybersecurity or, or some of the departments, we inherit a lot of people from different departments. And that's what we did too, um, right? Because it takes a long time and it's hard to find cybersecurity talent out there. We got the server engineers and we got system engineers, we got network, which is amazing because you're, you're also, you know, that pool of people that, you know, a little bit, a lot of things, but they just don't know what they're supposed to do sometimes. So I think having, that job description would help um, and also standardizing it. So when I took, when I started in this journey, I was like, I, I don't know where to start. I, I was just lost because the job descriptions doesn't have anything other than just you have, you have to have information to go to experience. So now I just took the, the cybersecurity workforce, um, you know, 
template, which has the knowledge, skills, and ability, that really helped. And I started with my management layer. I even did, I redid my, my uh, CISO job description, job description, and anything that gave me an understanding of what I'm supposed to do, what a good can look like and what I can inherit right now. Maybe not right now, but this is what a next CISO for Suma five years from now should be doing all of this. And I'm going to pave that path to that person. Like that was my mindset. So I started with my management layer and I showed that to my team. And I said, you know, we're going to hire a management layer because we're really flat. Everyone's going to report up to me. And I showed them to the man, you know, my team and then said, the manager, I'm, you know, this is what I'm expecting from them. And slowly for the senior. And I, when, like I said, in 23, we were flat, but now we have a ladder. So there's a lot of retention for us. So we have an analyst one, two, three for each department focus group. So one, you know, we could always get someone from external right out of college and grow them or even internal. I removed that type of, you know, oh my God, I'm not ready for it. You know, for a person in IEM, we just had this conversation a couple of weeks ago who does tickets and been in access provisioning, deprovisioning. She did master's in cybersecurity. I mean, phenomenal individual. Because we created the job description of like GRC analyst one, all we're looking is a little bit of experience. And I said, I'm going to help you train, get trained in a certification or something. Internally, we're able to rotate individuals, like almost like a job rotation that we were able to create. Um, So that worked immensely. So I think that's so important for a new leader to figure out. You get one chance and you have to take it as the people part of it. You have to trust the process and make sure you have that retention ladder so you know you can move people around and job descriptions. You know, it might it might be a very minute thing. You're like, oh, they're just applying, you forget about it. It's always good to go back and the next person that comes in, you're setting a really good standard for them. So I think that's brilliant and I think that's great advice. And people can go to um the it's called the NIST Cyber Workforce. They have templates yes. out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about this concept of flat. Uh, I don't know what the opposite of flat would be. Too vertical? Too, <laughs> too, too uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so I know what you mean. I know what you mean. An org chart that's flat. So you have everybody reporting up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, not good, right? If there's too many people, you, it's it's not a good use of your time. They don't get the access to a manager that they need because yes. you can't be available to, to 15 yeah, people. Everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's some, and also I think what you're talking about is if you're, if you're that flat and you, you look at your career prospects and you go, well, I see the CISO position above me and exactly. so does 50, so do 15 other people. Right. And that's it. There's, that's it. <laughs> there's, there's nothing in between. So there's some other benefits there. You don't want to be too flat, but you don't want to be the other too way heavy. too much right. too, too heavy, whatever. Um, you want to be just right. So I mm-hmm. guess that's something you're working towards. Oh, 100%. That's exactly my thought process, right? How, you know, when when I go in to have those performance conversations and those, um, you know, 365 reviews and whatnot, what is the next thing that you want to look at? And I, I believe truly that if you're with me for a year or two, you you should learn so much that you're looking. I mean, people, you're such a viable candidate. You're out there. I mean, someone's like, you know, you got a job in the next two years somewhere, you know, amazing, a great position. That's what I, you know, I was kind of thinking, how do I keep the people that I have, but also make sure they can grow um, in in the cybersecurity area? And, and it is hard if you have so flat, and I, I agree with you, is like, if you have too many management layers, that's hard too. But I feel really good 
today where we're at is that, you know, you have different verticals so you can move people around within. You're like, oh, I want to try that for the next six months because, you know, we don't have too many people coming to provision. We can try that. Vulnerability management person can come to GRC and all my managers have like, okay, you know, some people, I think I always tell my managers too, you you might not like it. You know, CISOs might not be your next position, but I also have an architect. So you want to try out, oh, let me be a little bit more technical. You know, that architect, I have one architect and three managers and that might be another avenue I want to think about. And, you know, there's BCPDR. I was telling my team, like business resilience is one department. I'm going to put a lot of emphasis and focus in 25. So you can think about that individual contributor type of something that you could try. And, you know, a manager um, in my team might be like, oh, I like the CISO. So that helps me grow in my career, too, to be like, oh, I'm a director. So I want to see the what next step is. So that is very important to make sure your team feels like there's something to look forward to just within the team and even even the growth pattern. So I think that really helped when I first came in doing that exercise. Right. Right. Excellent. All right, I'm going to ask you sort of an open-ended question to see what you're mm-hmm. thinking these days. What are either some of the major trends you're watching? We talked about a lot of stuff that you're working on and focused on. Um, but if there's sort of some trends that you're keeping your eye on because you want to make sure your organization is moving in line with those trends or to deal with those trends, what are some of the th- those things that you're thinking about or watching? I mean, if I don't bring up AI, I'll be lying. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think everyone is um, right now. It just we could do so much good. I mean, we're using artificial intelligence at Swimmer too, like Chatbot and ChatGPT for um, a chatbot here that we're using. It's I think the unknown part of it, Anthony. I think from any when I talk to my compliance, privacy, legal partners, I think the unknown of what can be done. We know you know hackers are using AI to for attacks that they're doing. So that that's one thing that we're looking at. And another thing is third-party management. I think that's such a big, a big thing. Every CISO, I'll be, I'll be surprised if they're not thinking about third-party management. Along with everything that's changing, it is hard. It is getting really, really hard to manage all the third parties that we're getting. Uh, they just come into the door. And, you know, from the legal perspective, the information security addendums that we need to follow, um, you know, the disclosures, if there is a breach, the disclosures, how, you know, are they doing those disclosures? Who need to be reached out? Um, you know, what's the process there? You know, are they removing our data? Like things like that, that's still top of mind. I, I know I'm just, you know, been here a year, but I think that's one thing we're going to, we're going to look into. So I would say uh, definitely a third party management has been top of mind for us. We're looking into that um, AI. We just created a AI addendum that's going through legal review to make sure we add that to our contracts. Um, you know, now we're okay, we're open to having um, you know artificial intelligence within SUMA, but we're not still quite ready for uh, the technology to learn that everything that the business is doing or our data. So how do we manage that type of privacy within AI? So that's something we're looking at. And I think telemedicine um, has been a top top of mind for for me and our um, our CIO here is just we want to go to that route with COVID, everything that happened. Um, telemedicine is one thing the world is going towards, but how do we also you know, think about our cyber risks and everything related to it is top of mind for us. All right. Very good. Um, let's just go a little bit into those in the few minutes that we have left. So AI, um, I'm guessing one of the main things from a CISO point of view that you want to do with AI is you want to have 
policies, back to policies we discussed, mm-hmm. in place, you you want to make sure that the brilliant uh, physicians out there are not doing all kinds of crazy Frankenstein experiments with AI that you right. don't know about, right? Like, here's, I at least got to get policies out there that say, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do, and the rest check with us, make sure you run it by us. Is that right. kind of where you are to just make sure things aren't getting out of control out there? Yes. Yes, definitely. I think, you know, the more, the more you try to, you know, stop something, I think the more curiosity kills the cat, like, you know, the more you would find a way and there's a funny meme, you know, about security is there's a gate and you just people go around it. So that's exactly <laughs> what, you know, we're going to put rules is like, you're just going to go around those things. Um, so I think what we're stating is do not use for, I think we were, you know, um, at some we, 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 we said a statement is and can use for patient care. Like, please, if you have any questions, reach out to our CMIO and CNIO. Um, if you have questions, you know, let us help you figure out if that's the right path of using it. Um, everything else, like I said, I think from the third party perspective, we're starting to control that more um, internally. We're watching what what the production um, network is doing with how many people are reaching out to ChatGPT and whatnot. For providers, we said, you know, that for healthcare, we're not going to do it up today, but you know, we're, we're going to have conversations with the providers for sure. Yeah. That's, I think that's the first step we're at least trying to do is just say, right. Hey, um, let's not, you know, let's not use it for patient care. Okay. Um, app applica- uh, well, you talked about the third party risk and, and what came into my head was that it's sort of unmanageable. I mean, there's, there's too many vendors that are doing too many things with your data Mm-hmm. Um, you come in, you try and putting things into place. That's what you may be able to develop policies going forward. There's hundreds of vendors that came in before those policies were mm-hmm. put into place. They're constantly changing, being bought, sold. Uh, I, I it feels unmanageable. And so mm-hmm. for something like that, that feels unmanageable. My first thought is application rationalization. If we can't manage the problem, we got to shrink the problem. So yeah. we have to, to, really try and keep you in-house when you Mm -hmm. say you want an app. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out if we have something that does that. We want to do everything possible to keep our vendor relationships as tight as possible and not have sprawl. I think I know somebody used the term vendor sprawl, which was Mm -hmm. kind of an interesting term. So that would be my thought, but what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts around that? Yeah, definitely. You, you hit the nail on that with application rationalization. When I first came in, I think, we're four or five departments are using the same application. Even that was that was interesting. Yeah. Not just application rationalization, even the resellers, even the technology stack too. Just bring everyone together. I think you know sometimes because you have so many different verticals. Right under, uh, let's just take example of our CIO. I mean, we use cybersecurity uses uh, same platform as the technology is like the email collaboration team and someone in operations and someone in Sumacare. But I think that being transparent with that, but when that budget conversations are happening, like, okay, let's just see if anyone else is using that. That was very, very helpful. When I first came in, I sat with my directors, my peers with our, you know, technology network team, uh, system engineering and collaboration to say, what are you using? And we brought, we kind of changed the budget. I think that's the first time extra has ever um, happened here at Summa is just going through what technologies that the 
technology team is using, just ITNS in general to start with. And we've found like six, seven applications that we have different licenses, different resellers, and we brought everything together. I think that helped so much. And we started having conversations of enterprise agreements and things like that. So that was huge. So, you know, what you said, I completely echo that. I think starting with application rationalization would be very, very helpful. Also, a good thing for us, we have a vendor management office that really helps just Hmm. make all the IT contracts come and sit with just vendor management office. I think that's that's amazing. It is hard. That creates a, a little bit of lag for sure. Everyone else from the you know clinical operators, I don't think they like it because it, it takes time because we, we have to go through certain requirements and go through BAAs. And we created a uh, you know cybersecurity liability insurance requirements for if you have certain records, this is the insurance we require for the BAA liability. So I think that takes a little bit of time, but I, I appreciate that. So now I know if there's a technology vendor that, you know, if remove it, I think, you know, the ripples that that caused Anthony in the cybersecurity world, it was just, it's awful. And just knowing where the, you know, transfer data sits, who's using move it. When I first came in, it took a long time for us to figure out, but I know if I go to vendor management office, spend a little bit of time, I would understand where, where it's going. So um, I like that. I think as an organization, people need to focus on vendor management office. And I think, the one change we're also seeing is how much cybersecurity is being a little bit more um, partnering with legal is what I what I would say is like we're having a lot more conversations now than any any time in the past is like hey how can we you know, like I said information security addendum that we brought in AI addendum and we're also saying part of the information security assessment these are the requirements the cyber insurance liability we brought in I think there are truly a great partner for cybersecurity. And I think you'll see that trend happen going forward as like both cybersecurity and legal, I mean, legal would be really, really good partners. I think cyber insurance would would help us too, for sure. A hundred percent. Legal would be your best friend, right? When you're in cyber, it's got to be a good relationship. Um, All right. Quick, quick final question, Swathi. Any last piece of advice for your colleagues based on your experience, your consulting experience, your experience working at SUMA? Uh, best piece of advice that, that you found helps you be successful in this role? Share your good stories. I mean, share stories, share what works. And I think in the 2023, when I went to conferences, Anthony, everyone was talking about AI. As I, you know, I just started the CISO journey, I wanted to learn what worked for you. So, you know, I started having conversations with my CISO circle here at Cleveland, and I learned great things. I mean, Hugar, Cleveland Linux CISO, um, DPH, Akron, and, you know, Brian from UH, we started doing like a CISO meetups and breakfast and things like that. And I think I learned a great deal from that. So what I would say, anyone out there, just share what worked for you in the past. I think more than anything, that's what we like to learn. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to know all the great things about AI, but I also want to learn what worked for you in in your journey as a CISO. um, So, uh, you know, that's what I think we're doing here is, you know, I think that gap assessment and focusing on the job descriptions and that people management part of it worked for me. And I would say that to anyone as a good leader, um, just starting out, just make sure you do, you do the 90 day assessment. So um, just share your stories, your success and your failures. So we can learn. Very good, Swathi. Thank you so much for your time today. That was really great. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. It made me think about a lot of great things that I can also do. Um, So yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me.